Good morning, brothers and sisters. And as you can see, we're in a, a slightly different change of setting as I am coming to you from my lounge at home. The reason being is because today we have ourselves a, another guest speaker for this week. Actually, our final guest speaker, who was our original camp speaker that was unable to come due to the COVID crisis. So with that, he's taken some time out and from his home, he is going to be sharing with us the scriptures this morning. So what I wanted to do then is from this particular position is to be able to ask our speaker a few questions that he in turn will be able to share with us a little bit more as next year, Lord willing, we'll be able to have him up from Victoria where he gets to share with us in person the word once again. So with that, um, brother, thank you so much for taking the time out to share with us the scriptures. Um, if you just want to share with us a little bit about yourself, let's begin with what is your name and what you currently do for a job? Well, hello, nice to be with you. My name is Michael Piautangi Tama, and currently I am a full-time chaplain in a secondary school called Caruso College here in Bendigo. Sweet, thanks for that, brother. Um, so then carrying on from that, um, did you come from a Christian home and how and when did you yourself become a Christian? I didn't come from a Christian home. I was actually brought up in a Pacific Island environment, very religious, where the church was the hub of the community, the social hub of the community, as well as the, I guess, the spiritual and religious um, meeting place for all of us. So I went to church pretty much every Sunday, most of the times reluctantly as I grew up. Um, but at the age of 19, after many conversations that I had with um, other people um, towards the end of my school life and then in, at uni, um, having a lot of conversations with people, I, um, I, I made my commitment to Christ, um, being invited to a gospel service. I was the first one up the front, which is not usually me. <laughs> Um, but I did not hesitate when I felt the Spirit of God um, speak to me clearly, wanting me to surrender my life. So at the age of 19, I came to Christ. Um, That's awesome. Thanks. So then, as a Christian, and you've been a Christian for a while now, as a Christian, what are you passionate about? What am I passionate about? Um, I've written down a few things that I am passionate about. I'm passionate about God's word. There's nothing more, uh, I guess, more precious to me tangibly as a believer than to have God's word. I was actually reading about this this morning in Psalm, in the book of Proverbs, sorry, in Proverbs chapter 4. And um, 30, over 30 times in this chapter alone, the psalmist is urging the reader to respond to God's word to make sure that uh, his word is not left out of their lives. So I'm pretty passionate about God's word and how it can make an impact, not only in my life, but in the lives of others. I'm pretty passionate also about um, Israel. Uh, it's only been recently in the last few years that God has opened my heart to uh, the importance 
um, of Israel and his plan. And um, to my, uh, I guess, to my loss, I've neglected Israel, the reality of Israel and Israel's plan um, and in God's um, economy. And, but I've made that right and I've, and I've uh, just loved um, learning so much more about God's covenant people and um, looking forward to, to all that unfolds for, um, for this people who the Bible in the book of Psalms, I think it's Psalm 148, whom the Bible says is a people near to me. To God doesn't make any, he makes it so clear. Um, his, his, his care and his emphasis um, of working still with his people. I'm also passionate about the end times and especially with what's going on, what has unfolded in the last three or four years. And it's just incredible um, seeing things from a, a greater perspective, a, a, a different panoramic view of what God is doing um, from a biblical prophetic um, standpoint. So I'm passionate about the end times. I'm passionate about upholding um, uh, the, the stepping into the air of the Lord Jesus and rapturing his church. That's you and me. So um, I'm pretty passionate about um, learning so much more about the end time scenario. I'm passionate about building up believers and their faith and I just love getting alongside people or even sharing or giving the opportunity to preach, to build up the faith of those who belong to him um, and just to see people grow. I'm also passionate about letting other people know about Christ and any opportunity that I'm given or I seek for, it's just awesome to be able to share my testimony, my story about what Jesus has done for me. Wow, that's awesome. Thank you very much for, for all of that that you shared regarding the various passions that you have in life now. And lastly, with everything that's going on at the moment, what, God, what has God been teaching you specifically at this time? What has he been revealing to you? What has he been taking you through? But with everything that's been going on in the COVID crisis, especially with you being in Victoria, what has been some of the things or one main thing that God has been teaching you through all of this? What's God doing in my life? Um, what's he been teaching me? What's he been taking me through? What's, what's he been revealing, especially here in Victoria, uh, where I am, um, in this COVID-19 crisis? Well, I think um, one of the main things that I've really appreciated and really enjoyed um, learning from, from the Holy Spirit's teaching has been um, this, the reality of his peace that he wants to bring into my life and, and, and how he wants me to, to become an influence and an example of someone who is settled, just settled in their hearts, who has God's peace on the inside when facing a lot of turmoil on the outside. Um, God has also been, um, I guess, on, on a different um, uh, level or different situation. One of my kids, uh, they've, they've now spent quite a few years away from, from their relationship with God. So 
I guess God is teaching me to be patient. God is teaching me to be trust, trusting him and, and, and to just continue to, to pray and love and, and, and care for my daughter who is far from you. Uh, sorry, far from, from, from God. And so he's teaching me to be patient just as he was patient with me. He's teaching me not to be judgmental, not to be hard, but to realize that what, what needs to be said in a firm way to, to my child um, needs to be said, but um, it needs to be covered with love. And it's not easy at times when, when um, things are said to you and God is made flippant and the name of Jesus is just joked at, and, but from your own child. So it's not easy, but he's teaching me and he's, he's humbling me and, and um, growing me in this whole area. So uh, thank you for this time uh, that I'm able to share with you with these questions and hope to see you soon. Peace. Excellent. Thank you very much for that, Mike. I really appreciate those answers and everything that God has been taking you through. And I'm looking forward to what the Lord has to share with us as you bring the scriptures to us this morning. So if you'll allow me, I'm going to open in prayer. I'm going to commit the time to the Lord and then hand things over to you. So if you have your Bibles available, brothers and sisters, grab your Bibles as we get taken through the scriptures together through our brother Mike. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this opportunity we have now to listen to your word through your servant Mike. We pray that you will anoint him and that you'll anoint the message that you've laid upon his heart to share with us. We pray for the situation in Victoria and that everything that's going on there will be done so for your glory and that your people will shine as a light during this time. We pray for his family and we pray that his children will come to know you, especially with some of the struggles that, uh, that they can be going through at this time also with their faith. So Lord, we commit Mike to you. Use him, use your servant for your glory and in your name we pray. Amen. Thanks, Heaps and Mike. Over to you, brother. So it's really good to be with you. Um, this is an opportunity for me. Um, obviously, I can't fly up to Sydney and be with you, which would be much better. But um, I'm taking this opportunity to record a message that I hope that you'd find encouraging and it would build your faith as it would build mine. Now, um, when I first made my commitment to Jesus, tape cassettes were the thing. People continued to buy nomads. Uh, for their feet, teenagers were bopping and breakdancing. The All Blacks were banned from touring South Africa for apartheid reasons. And uh, Billy Graham was already 35 years into his global ministry. That's when I first came to Christ. I didn't realize it at the time, but I had not only entered into a personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, but I had entered into a spiritual reality that would include losses, disappointments, setbacks, and multiple failures. The ground I stepped into was not a playground, I discovered, but it was a battlefield. Um, this uh, would uh, prove to be true in many, many ways um, and in many experiences in my life. For example, I remember when uh, my 21st was celebrated and um, it was a typical uh, Pacific Island celebration of 21sts. 
yet there was a, a slight difference for my one. Um, the, the minister for our family and, and the extended family and relatives, he um, was overseeing the, the 21st, um, was hosting it kind of thing. And, and anyway, um, one of the things he said as a speech while I stood there listening to him in front of everybody, and I, I was only a Christian for two years. Um, he said, Mike is the family failure. Um, we have tried to support him in his schooling, but never mind. We have uh, so-and-so over there in the, in the back who will become the family doctor. But, but Mike, he, he's the failure of the family, but that's okay. We'll still celebrate his 21st. Now, you can imagine how I felt. Felt so small. And my brothers and sisters were, they had their heads bowed in shame of what he said, not in shame of me. But anyway, what was said was said publicly and um, I've proved it over and over again that those words mean nothing. It's, it's really the words of, of God upon your life that mean something. But anyway, I discovered with examples like that and experiences like that, that I, was, I had stepped into a battlefield and not just a playground. Um, the next few years and beyond would be challenging for myself on how to navigate these experiences and still retain the dunamos, the power of the gospel in my life. The power that transforms within and influences people without. Jesus says, these things I have spoken to you, so that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have trouble, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world, John 16, 33. So I want to address some questions with, with all of you. How do we maintain living in God's peace day after day in the current climate that we're living in? When the Bible says, let everything that hath breath praise the Lord. How do we do that and do it well? When everything around us is collapsing spiritually, morally, physically, and politically, how do we praise him with gusto and with integrity? I want to read a portion of scripture to you which answers those questions and challenges us to live exactly that kind of life. So we're looking at Acts chapter 16. And you know the story, it is Paul's second ministry uh, journey, missionary journey. And Paul has taken Silas with him. He's already parted ways with Barnabas and John Mark. Um, we won't get into that, but uh, suffice it to say, uh, two ministries were formed from a great disagreement. So Paul is on a second ministry journey, uh, missionary journey, sorry. And... Um, the Bible says um, they came to a place of prayer where a woman named Lydia uh, was listening to the things that Paul and his team were saying. And the Bible says that the Lord opened her heart to the things that Paul was saying. And um, 
she and her household after responding had been baptized and she urged Paul saying, if you have judged me faithful to the Lord, come into my house and stay <coughs> and stay. So already she was hospitable in her new life. Um, but that wasn't the only thing that happened. What else happened in that particular place was there was a slave girl who had a spirit of divination. She um, had a demon that was uh, fortune telling, basically. And uh, she went around saying, these are the servants of the Most High God who give us the way of salvation. And the Bible says that Paul was stirred in his heart and he turned upon her and uh, he uh, pretty much... Uh, didn't hold back saying, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. Now the demon came out of her. The men that controlled her life and, and their business saw their business go <laughs> collapse right in front of their eyes. And they, in their fury, the Bible says they dragged Paul and Silas before the magistrates. And... Uh, <clears throat> The Bible says that uh, when they had struck them with many blows, and I'm reading from Acts 16, verse 22, when they had struck them with many uh, blows, um, they threw them into the prison, commanding the jailer to guard them securely. And he, having received such a command, threw them into the inner prison and fastened their feet to the stocks. But about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns and praise to God. And the prisoners were listening to them. And suddenly there came a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison house were shaken and immediately... All the doors were opened and everyone's chains were, un were unfastened. When the jailer awoke and saw the prison doors opened, remember back in those days, if a jailer lost his prisoners, he, he was going to lose his life. So when he saw the prison doors, uh, the prison doors were open, um, he drew his sword and was about to commit suicide supposing that the prisoners had escaped. But Paul cried out with a loud voice saying, Do not harm yourself. We are all here. He called for the lights and rushed in and trembling with fear, he fell down before Paul and Silas. And after he brought them out, he says, and this is awesome, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? They said, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved and your household. And he took them that very hour of the night and washed their wounds. And immediately there he was baptized, he and all his household. And he brought them into his house and set the food before them and rejoiced greatly, having believed in God with his whole household. What an incredible day that was for that man. So you, you remember Paul had a vision in Troas and, and, and there was a vision of a man saying, come over and help us. This, this jailer was a part of that vision. And Paul saw that vision come to life when he saw this jailer come to Christ. Okay, so Paul says to Barnabas, just before this incident, 
why don't we get moving again? And, uh, and why don't we visit those places and the people that we preach the gospel to? And Barnabas agrees and, and he tries to take John Mark again to the, the trip. You remember um, it was John Mark who deserted them in Acts 13 um, when they went on their first missionary journey. But Paul would never bother it. A massive disagreement unfolded as a result. Barnabas sailed to Cyprus with John Mark, his cousin, and Paul took Silas to visit the churches that had already been established in their first missionary journey. Having arrived at Philippi via a vision, Paul had um, this incredible vision, as I, I mentioned in Troas, and so finally they came because they responded to the, to, to, the, to the will of God in taking the gospel to Macedonia. So they arrived in Philippi and they gate crash a prayer meeting. They see a woman named Lydia come to faith and Paul rebukes a spirit of divination in a slave girl. So we've caught up here. The lead, uh, this leads to their arrest, as I mentioned, and Paul and Silas are beaten up badly and thrown into jail. And our passage follows the overview, this overview. But before we dig in, I want to remind us all that ministry opportunities, while they are exciting and worth investing in, they're clothed with many garments of which the likes of what Paul and Silas um, went through, those are the kind of garments that we too must wear. Um, I'm sure you could sit down with uh, uh, Joe and Grizz and ask them, well, how's ministry been for you? Has it all been a bed of roses? And they they would laugh and, and they would say, seriously, uh, if that's what you think it is, you might as well not even put your hand up. Ministry includes difficulties and sufferings and losses as well as the joy and the graces and the opportunities and the magnificent um, ways that you, you get to see people's lives changed. Um, this passage teaches us that. In Psalm 104 verse 33, the psalmist sings this, I'll sing to the Lord as long as I live. I will sing praise to my God while I have my being. Look at the scene in that Philippian jail. Two missionaries were thrown into jail, bleeding and bruised, feet fastened in uncomfortable stocks. So from a place of freedom and movement, they are placed in isolation, a restrictive environment and mandatory placement. Does that sound familiar? <laughs> this is where they were at. Yet the Bible invites us into the scene to catch a miracle. At midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns of praise to God. And the prisoners were listening to them. If we're going to sit with Paul and Silas to sing praises to God with all our being, we're going to have to consider this question. What kind of praise 
does God delight in? What warms his heart? It's what this message is all about. The praises that God delights in. So what kind of praise does God delight in? Here's here's a few things that I want to bring to your attention and I encourage you to go through the scriptures, go back to to the principles that I am giving and, and, and just nut it out. Nut out what it is that God delights in when it comes to our praises. Here's the first thing I want to share. God delights in the praises of the humble. The one who sees himself for who he really is. Needy and without strength to stand in a place of victory. That kind of person. God delights in the praises of the person who sees himself like that. The humble. It took a while for Paul and Silas to adjust to their physical hurt and realign their perspective. But once they reached that place, praise took form in thankfulness, gratitude and faith as they began to sing bloodstained and bruised. Jesus told the story about two churchgoers who went to pray in Luke 18. One was a Pharisee and he prayed, God, I thank you that I'm not like them. Look at what I put my hand to. Look at what I have accomplished. The other one was a tax collector, the scourge of the Jews. Uh, He did not even lift his face, but he prayed like this. God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Jesus taught that the tax collector stood more justified before God than the Pharisee because everyone who lifts up himself will be brought down and he who humbles himself will be lifted up. I remember hearing years ago the story of a young man who was given an opportunity to preach. When he was announced, uh, when it was announced to to come forward, he walked briskly, proudly, and confidently to the front, (laughs) placing his notes on the pulpit. As he began to speak, he lost his way throughout the message, fumbling his way from point to point. By the end of his message, the discouraged man slowly made his way back, slowly, to his seat, head down and heart devastated. An older man spoke to him gently afterwards, saying, young man, if you had gone up the way you had come down, you may have come down the way you had gone up. God delights in the praises of the needy, the transparent, the one who isn't ashamed of God and ashamed to say to God, I need help. That's the kind of praises that God delights in, that kind of person. Here's another one. God delights in the praises of the weak. Why? Why would God delight in our coming to him in weakness and susceptibility? 
After all, doesn't the Bible say God uh, helps those who help themselves? I don't think so. Years ago, I never forget hearing for the first time the account of one missionary's escape from the jungles of South America. I'm not sure if um, Joan Grizz remember the story of Paul Dyer and New Child's mission. Um, he was in a hostage situation along with others, which wasn't a new thing. It had been going on for years. The guerrillas were demanding a ransom and Paul Dyer was in the thick of it all. But Paul had nothing to help his situation except his faith. He was afraid for sure, but he, but his faith and trust in God overshadowed his weakness. So Paul died, the missionary, was in the thick of it all. Um, Paul had nothing to help his situation except his faith. He was afraid for sure, but his trust overshadowed his weakness. Paul managed to escape unharmed in the middle of the night where thick darkness was all around him, past his captors crawling on his hands and feet to assess in a plane that he was going to have to fly out of the jungle in limited space and with limited fuel. Paul talks about the escape in a book he wrote. He literally crawled to freedom, meter by meter, weak and vulnerable in, in, in and of himself, but full of faith that God was leading him to safety. Every step to freedom, Paul would whisper, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. And I remember um, as I closed my eyes, I remember the story of, of how Paul would say he would, he, he would um, crawl um, and, and he would touch the, 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 the dried up branches and leaves that were on the ground and they would make a noise and he would go, oh, Lord, sorry. Lord, Lord, thank you, Lord. Shh, shh, shh. And he would say, thank you, Lord. Thank you. Thank you. And every step he made, he would cry, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Paul gave all the glory for his escape to God. All the glory who heard his cry for help in weakness and accepted his praise and thanksgiving from that platform, from weakness. You remember in 2 Corinthians 12, 7 to um, 10, the Apostle Paul said this. It's an incredible piece of scripture. And he said, my grace is enough for you. It's sufficient. This is after Paul um had some sort of uh, affliction that Satan um, had brought upon his life. God allowed it and Satan had brought it and he was afflicted and it hurt and it was painful. And Paul says, I prayed to God three times to take it away. And he says, this is what God said to me. My grace is enough for power is perfected in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, I will rather boast in my weakness so that the power of Christ might dwell in me. Therefore, I am well content with weakness, with insults, with distresses, with persecutions, with difficulties. 
for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. When you tune into the Philippians jail scene, you see two beaten and bruised believers praising God by faith in their weakness, singing and making melody, not for their situation, but for their father who permitted them to suffer this way for his sake. Strength, resilience, confidence and assurance are the badges of honour upon those believers who continually bring their weaknesses to God and allow him to transpose those weaknesses to powerful praise. That's the kind of praise God delights in. And so, you know what? If you feel weak today, if you feel that you're not strong enough to give God a praise, you're not even worthy enough to sing what Pastor Joe and, and Grizz are singing and, and the worship team and even those around you, you just feel you're too weak. That's exactly that platform that God is looking for. Someone who would just say, I am so weak this morning, but here's my praise. That's the praise that God delights in. Here's another form of praise that God delights in. He delights in the praise of the Spirit-filled. It was Paul himself who commanded us in the book of Ephesians 5 verse 18, be filled with the Spirit. And so it wasn't anything that we, um, I, I guess, uh, would uh, hopefully one day uh, be so... Uh, mature enough to, to have in our life, this filling of the Spirit. The command is to be filled with the Spirit. And the Greek says it's an ongoing filling. So Paul says, make it an ongoing, um, perpetual uh, experience in your life. This filling of the Spirit. This allowing of the Holy Spirit to, to give him permission to give him sole permission to live the life of Jesus Christ in your body, in your heart, in your behavior. That's what the filling of the Spirit is, giving him full control. It's why Paul says, be not drunk with wine. Don't let wine control you, but be filled with the Spirit. Let the Spirit of God control you. And so what does that look like? If we're going to give praise that is acceptable to God because we're spirit-filled, what does a spirit-filled person look like? Well, here are some of, um, here are some of the, the, the things that emanate from our lives of being filled with the Spirit that Paul recognized in the book of Ephesians. We engage with one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. It just happens for us. Whether you're in the car, whether you're at home, whether you're cooking behind the stove, whether you're at church, whether you're at work, whether you're at, on the sporting field, songs of praise, songs of hymns, they're in your heart. And Paul says, look, sing, sing and speak. 
these hymns and, and spiritual songs and psalms with one another. Singing, making melody in your hearts to him. Um, continually having a, a, a heart of thanksgiving and gratefulness to him. Do you realize that when you and I express a heart of gratitude to God, this is one of the, the greatest ingredients to give him a, a praise that is acceptable to him. He delights in grateful people. Think about it. How do you think you feel when, um, and, and I'm sure there are many parents out there that have their own children and so many of them, especially in their teenage years, are so ungrateful. How do you feel as a parent when you slave uh, it, it seems like you're slaving behind the, the, the stove or, or doing so much for them and, and working so hard and, and um, maybe some kids are ungrateful. How do, you, how do you feel? Well, how does God feel? How did he feel when the children of Israel were wandering through the wilderness? He had just Perform miracle after miracle after miracle after miracle. And they came time and time. Read in Psalm 106 and, and Psalm 107. It's a cycle of thanks, of repentance and grumbling, of repentance and grumbling. And, and they were so ungrateful. No wonder why their praise was not acceptable before God. But another indication of you of being filled with the spirit is that you are in submission to each other you're not only in submission to your leaders but your leaders are in submission to you as a believer you're not only in submission as a wife to your husband but your husband is in submission to you his wife as as a fellow child of god in the body of christ and so the Bible says we are to submit to one another. If we are showing that we're being filled with the Spirit of God, we will do that. Um, we live harmoniously in marriage. And that's, come on, that's, that's a battle. Because the flesh is so, so stubborn. So that when in marriage we, you know, the husband or the wife, they, they just want to get the upper hand and so many situations. I cannot tell you how many times I've had to go back to Kathy and say, I am so sorry. Being filled with the Spirit is expressed in a harmonious marriage. Living obediently and honorably in the family, uh, in, in the family place. So, Husband and wives are in submission and, and in honor and in love with one another. And children respect their parents and their parents respect their children. There's something incredible in a family when everybody in that family is filled with the Spirit. They just seem to get on so well with each other. Um, submitting to employees. Submitting to employers, both ways. I remember years ago um, when I was painting and uh, I had this stubborn boss. We went to the same church and we were just, you know, um, 
just have a go at each other all the time and sometimes it would get and get physical you know can you believe that we would um he, he was a maori and i was a pacific islander so we were both stubborn at each other and uh, we would have these fist fights and we would have these mouth fights and um it came to a point um one day when he he looked at me in the face and he said to me mike you're supposed to submit to me if you're going to walk with God, the Bible says, employees submit to your employers, you know, servants submit to your masters. And I, and I snapped straight back and says, keep reading, because it says, and you submit yourselves to them also. Yet, yes, everybody submit to one another. That day, neither of us were filled with the Spirit. Holy Spirit did not have any control in our lives that day. Clothed in the full armor of God. When you're filled with the Spirit, you clothe yourselves daily in the full armor of God. Does it mention the amount of years that you have walked with God? Is that, is that filling with the Spirit? No. Does it mention how long you've been involved in ministry? 10, 20, 30 years? Does that make you filled with the Spirit? No, I... I, uh, I didn't see that in the scriptures. Does it mention how often you attend church meetings? I didn't read that either. I didn't see that. The Bible does say that you don't forsake the assembling of ourselves with one another as the day approaches. But I don't see that as being filled with the Spirit. I, I, I just simply see that as a part of uh, expressing someone who's filled with the Spirit. Someone could be full very easily thinking that they that the, if they spend so much time going going to church on a Sunday or a Bible study during the week or a prayer meeting and they begin to count how many times they do that well they must be filled with the spirit I don't read that in the scriptures does it mention how much you give no and yet the Bible says teaches us that we've got to be generous it's part of who Jesus is. But uh, if, if that's all you think filling of the Spirit is, is by giving to the church or giving to missions or giving to other people, that shouldn't be something that we um, tick off as being filled with the Spirit. That's just something that naturally happens because we're filled with the Spirit. Does it mention how often you have contributed to reaching the lost? No, not even that. In fact, if you are filled with the Spirit, you will reach the lost. But it's not a condition of being filled with the Spirit. So the word filled has the idea, as I mentioned before, and the meaning of being controlled by the Holy Spirit who dwells within us, who is in us. And it's an ongoing, continual, perpetual matter for the believer. It is so so vital for our Christian journey. The Bible is clear, crystal clear. God sees our hearts and our motives. Psalm 139, verse 23 and 24. Anyone can sing praises to God. Judas Iscariot sang praises to God before he walked out that night to betray him. Peter sang praises to God before that night he denied him. The disciples sang praises to God that night 
that Jesus died before they uh, actually um, ran off and left him when he was arrested at the Garden of Gethsemane. So anyone can sing praises to God. God delights in the praises of his children who give permission to the indwelling Holy Spirit to live the life of the Lord Jesus in their lives. I love the way Paul says in Philippians chapter 1 when he says, For to me, to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. Another way is that God delights in the praises of those who are living by faith. Nothing pleases him more. Hebrews 11, 6, when we operate in faith, believing his word over and above the circumstances. Um, without faith, it is impossible to please him. Remember how it says, how Jesus says that it is impossible for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God like, like that man was. It's the very same. It's impossible to please God without faith. When 12 spies returned from checking out the land, you remember the story in Numbers 13? Only two gave a good report. Two out of the 12. The majority simply told the leadership and the people, the people who live in the land are strong and their cities are fortified and very large. And moreover, we see the descendants of Anak there. The land devours its people and all the people we saw in it are men of great size. And we became like grasshoppers in our own sight. And so were we in their sight. Numbers 13, 28 to 33. The people lifted up their voices and they complained and questioned Moses why they were freed from slavery in the first place. Listen to God's reply. How long will this people spurn me? And how long will they not believe in me despite all the signs which I have performed in their midst? How long? Numbers 14, 11. Remember what Jesus says to the two on the Emmaus Road? After hearing their perspective of recent events. <laughs> this is such a funny story, um, this, this two on the Emmaus Road. They were telling Jesus, <laughs> uh, do you not know what has happened? This is not what they said to them, but I I'm just trying to, this is how ridiculous it is. I'm just trying to... So this is not what is written in the scriptures, but this is actually what they were saying. Jesus, don't you know what has happened? Don't you realize uh, that you died and uh, you, you, you were buried and you said that you were going to rise again in three days and uh, it's now three days that these things have happened? Do you not know what has happened? Well... That's not exactly what they said to him, but that's pretty much what they were saying to him because he was right there in front of them. But it's so ridiculous that they were trying to explain 
Calvary to the one who was there in the first place. And listen to what Jesus says to them. And this scripture is from Luke 24, 25 to 27. But Jesus said to them this, O foolish men and slow of heart to what? To believe. All that the prophets have spoken. Faith ignites the kind of praise that God delights to hear and receive because what we say and what we sing should be intrinsically connected to who we believe in. Let me say that again. Because what we say and what we sing should be so connected to who we believe in. Finally, I want to say this. God delights in the praise of those who come to him with their whole heart. Not half their heart, but their whole heart. His desire is that we are either all in or not at all. It was Joshua who challenged the people in Joshua 24, 15. But as for me and my house, you do what you want to do. If you want to go follow Baal, go follow Baal. If you want to follow the Lord, make your decision to follow him. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Joshua's contemporary Caleb is described in Scripture in a nice way. In Numbers 14.24, the Bible says, But my servant Caleb, because he has a different spirit, and he has followed me fully. I was preaching one Sunday in Kyneton, and the church announced uh, the engagement of a couple involved in youth ministry. I called them both up in the, in the middle of my message, uh, making use of their commitment to one another uh, to illustrate a point in the message. I said to both parties that I wanted to speak to each, each one right there as they were on the stage. I wanted to speak to each one individually. So I turned to um, the young woman and I said to her, um, listen, do you take so-and-so um, next week? Are you happy to take so-and-so and, and promise to love and stand by him and encourage him and build him up and provide for him and just be the, the, the best wife that you could be to him? Of course, um, uh, you know, it would be obviously within your means to do no one's asking you to be perfect but would you do this would you do this and and yeah she 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 nodded her head and and with great enthusiasm and the and the congregation were smiling and laughing so i i turned to the <clears throat> to the guy and i said to him so would you two you know look into her eyes gaze into her eyes right now would you uh choose to uh, take her and love her and stand by her and encourage her and protect her and build her up and provide for her. And uh, yeah, without hesitation, he says, of course. Yeah, absolutely. Um, then I said, 
but both of you, do, do you mind if, if, if in all of this, either one of you just, you, you can do all that, but just give half of your heart. Don't give all your heart. You can still love and you can still give and you can still provide, still protect and still be with that person, but just give, give half your heart. Don't give all your heart. Then I turn to them and says, what about that? Do, do you mind that? Will you get married under those circumstances? <laughs> they smile and says, there's no way. There's no way that I would marry someone else who's willing to give me just half of their heart. And it's the same with God. Um, just as the couple see, see it as ridiculous, so God sees it as ridiculous. If we don't come to him with all our hearts. The Bible says in a, a well-known and one of my favorite scriptures, Second Chronicles 16.9, should be tattooed on everybody's part of their body. For the eyes of the Lord move to and fro throughout the whole earth, that he might strongly support those whose hearts are completely his. Strongly support those whose hearts are completely his. Anyone can make praise noise. God knows that. We know that. But here's the thing that pleases God the most about his children in giving him praise. That it comes from a heart that is completely his. Completely his. And irrespective of what is happening around us and in us, Jesus said, it powerfully to the woman at the well who was trapped in the cycle of sin. God is a spirit and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. John 4, 24. After visiting a particular house for a week and noticing that most of the house were either lost or miserable or just not walking joyfully with God, Francis Havergal, the great hymn writer, begged God to bless these souls. She got alone with God, got on her knees and she cried out in solitary, God bless these people, bless these souls. And today we sing um, a beautiful hymn that God gave her in an answer to her prayer. I want to read the answer to her prayer to you as I close off. Take my life and let it be consecrated, Lord, to thee. Take my moments and my days, let them flow in ceaseless praise. Take my hands and let them move at the impulse of thy love. Take my feet and let them be swift and beautiful for thee. Take my voice and let me sing always only for my King. Take my lips and let them be filled with messages from thee. Take my silver and my gold, not a might will I withhold. Take my intellect and use every power as you shall choose. Take my will and make it thine. It shall be no longer 
mine. Take my heart, it is thine own. It shall be your royal throne. Take my love, my Lord, I pour. At thy feet, it's treasure store. Take myself and I will be ever only all for thee. Father, I want to thank you that you love us so much. Thank you for this incredible reminder from Paul and Silas, bloodied and bruised, teaching us as the fine worship leaders they are of what it is and what it's like to praise God that is in an acceptable way. Lord, see us in our weakness. See us in our need. See us in, in our lack of, of uh, strength and power. See the mustard seed of faith in us. See our hearts. And Lord, I pray that uh, God, you would cleanse us and move us in such a way that we would be filled with the Spirit on a daily basis, on a moment-by-moment -moment basis, so that our praise would be acceptable to you. And we lay them at your feet, Lord Jesus, in your name. Amen. God bless you all. I would love to be with you in the future. Um, be blessed this week in Jesus' name. See ya. So, brother, thank you so much for that. And we're looking forward to our next camp where you can be with us in person and we can fellowship in person as well. Uh, so with that, brothers and sisters, that is our church service this morning. We will have a brief Zoom meeting after this. But once again, continue to pray as things are getting closer and closer for us to be able to live stream and where we can actually start gathering in person as well. So, brothers and sisters, thank you very much. Have a lovely day. If I don't see you at the meeting, I will see you next week and prayerfully be able to see you even in person too. So God bless. Take care. See you later.